impact. You love to see it. Instant impact. Can it really go? Instant impact. How nice is he? Never going back. What is he gonna do on the next level? Instant impact. Is he gonna be a boom or bust? Instant impact. Is he gonna make or break? Instant impact. It's going down. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Instant impact. Got a great show today. Got a special guest. 2022 class. Uh, got my boy BA from the GA, always on time and on target here on Insta Impact. BA, thanks for being on once again, my man. We ready to rock and roll? We are, man. I, I'm always excited to come on here, but if you can't tell by the smile on my face, I am super excited about tonight's show, uh, just with the way we're starting off. And I know we're going to do the show a little bit different. We're going to handle evaluations just a tad bit different tonight on Instant Impact. Talk about a little bit more about the scheme fit and the the school fit for each one of these prospects while I do the evaluations. But this interview we're about to do with Lucas Taylor, spoiler alert, it's Lucas Taylor, 2022 offensive line committed LSU. I have been more excited to talk to a prospect than I am about this right here. And it's because of the way he responded to constructive criticism that we had here on Instant Impact. Look, if you guys have been following this show, uh, we've been doing it, what, a couple months now, Keith, three or four months at this point. Man, we don't hold any punches. We, we give you the absolute truth. We, the way Keith calls it is the transparent truth. There's no fake in here. We're not trying to pub you up or anything like that. We are telling you exactly what we see on tape and giving it to you from a very constructive standpoint. And, man, we get a lot of we get a lot of flack. Not necessarily flack, but we get a lot of different types of responses from kids. This kid, Lucas Taylor, at 16 years old, had the best response of any player and prospect that we've had recently on this show, and I'm excited to have him on. There's no question about it. He's definitely shown from afar a very mature way of going about his business and how he plans to develop and grow uh, as the LSU commit. So without further ado, let's bring in the, the young man himself, Mr. Lucas Taylor, LSU commit in the 2022 class, a recent commit. Lucas, thanks for so much for joining us and being back. How you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me on. No question, man. I'm doing okay. So listen, I'm going to let B.A. run this interview or not let him. I'm going to have B.A. run this interview because you're his guy and you're my guy as well, too, man. You're looking all big and buff in your shirt. I know you done dropped some poundage over there. And I I like how you look. And I know the ladies are going crazy. But it's so great to have you on the show. I know you committed to LSU. You made some really big transformations. Uh, But first, we want to get into just our critique and criticism and constructive criticism of you. B.A., go ahead and take it over. Yeah, so I went back and watched last week's episode a couple of times because this specific athlete in Lucas, and, and I was I was a little bit harder on Lucas than, than any other office line prospect I've had, okay, that we've had on here. And I went back and looked, make sure I wasn't too harsh, and turns out I wasn't, okay? I went back and watched it, and everything that I watched on tape, I think I conveyed accurately on the show. And look, I, I thought the feet were a little slow. I thought the body was a little bit off. I thought there was a transformation to be made, and I thought the hand shock needed to be developed, okay? So about 24 hours after we get off the show, I get a follow from Lucas over there, and I'm like, all right, here it comes. I'm about to get I'm about to get into a, an altercation with a young prospect that didn't agree with what I said about him because we have this happen quite often, okay? A lot of kids getting their feelings. They get a little hurt. Coach hating on me. Coach don't know what's going on. Coach this, coach that. Instead of saying, hey – Look, man, he's right. I probably should work on these things. So first thing Lucas said was, Coach, I appreciate it. I I listened to the show. 
I like what you said, and I'm glad that what you pointed out in our tape or my tape from my sophomore year is exactly what I spent all offseason working on. So, Lucas, first of all, I think you're extremely coachable. That is very adamant. And I want you to tell me what you went through this offseason, what you evaluated from your own sophomore tape and how you've gotten better. Um, first things first is that I needed to lose weight because if I want quicker feet and I want to be more flexible, I got to get smaller and I got to shed a lot of that bad weight. And, uh, I think I did for the most part, um, just getting my feet quicker and stretching every single day. I, I mean, I hit the stretches every day, still do. And, um, just a lot of, just a lot of sweat went into just correcting ex- exactly what you said on the show. Yeah, so le- your, your sophomore tape, you were playing at about, what, 315 pounds? Is that correct? 315, 320. Yes, yeah, so but from what our discussions were, you went all the way from 315 pounds down to about 285 during the offseason, and then you put on some really good weight, as we can see. I don't, I don't see much bad weight on your frame right now just from the picture that we're seeing, and you're back up to about 300 pounds. And the other thing we pointed out was the ankle flexion and the hip tightness. I thought that was a lot on tape, but you're it's so incredibly big at such a young age. That's to be expected. What's not to be expected is for a young player like yourself to take it upon your own to go out and stretch every single day like you're talking about and get that flexibility that you absolutely need. So first things first, why LSU? Let's, enough about you being coachable, but I do want to tell you this. I spoke to a staffer on the LSU staff, from the recruiting staff, and I sent him our, our conversation. And the first thing he said was, and he didn't say it exactly like this. This is me paraphrasing. Look, young kids need to understand, coachability is not a coachable asset. I can't teach you how to take constructive criticism. It's just not something that you're ever going to learn. You're either going to take it and, and, and do with it like you have, or you're going to bucket and say, coach don't know what he's talking about. You have a coachable asset and you have a coachable trait. That's something that's great right there. So let's move on from that. Why LSU? That's my question, Lucas. Um, it, well, first of all, I've been getting recruited since the seventh grade. I like, you know, like it's been a long process. Like I wouldn't really consider it an early decision, but I mean, then again, it kind of is, but the reason I chose LSU is because I've been to three games and not once did I ever leave there not feeling at home. Yeah. And just the just the relationship that I have with Coach O and Coach Bowen and, and even Coach Craig, like it's I mean, I I I talk to them once or twice a week every week for the past, you know, probably three months since I got the offer. And um, they really just made me feel like a priority. And uh, plus, it's only two and a half hours away from home. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really a homebody, but I mean, I do like to see my mom every now and then. Um, <laughs> Coach but, uh, Keith, tell he's a Bama boy. I, I, I can't tell. No, Lucas, that, that's fantastic. And staying home, or, or at least close to home, to Mama, is, it sure is near and dear to a lot of our hearts. Here's the question I have for you. LSU is such a beautiful place down in Baton Rouge. How do you think you're going to assimilate into the culture down there in Louisiana? Um, I, I mean, I think I'll fit in perfectly, honestly, because, I mean, Coach O, I mean, himself, he's a, you know, he's a Southern boy like I am. And as a kid, he worked on a shrimp boat, you know. I mean, I, I'm from pretty much the same upbringing, you know. Uh, at, you know, every weekend I'm outside either, you know, chopping wood or working construction or whatever, you know, 
Um, even that's one of the things that Coach Craig said about me. I'm a blue-collar type person. Uh, I like to work hard, and I really think that's the kind of culture that Baton Rouge is, is just a bunch of hardworking people. And, you know, they're just good Southern folk. Say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and that's what I like about it. All right, what's your what, what's your favorite uh, New Orleans food? All right, I know I know it's Baton Rouge, it's about forty five minutes north of New Orleans. But what's your favorite Louisiana type of type of food? Uh, probably jambalaya. Um, me and my dad make some pretty good jambalaya outside. We do it every Mardi Gras. We're big Mardi Gras fans. Yes, sir. All right, Keith, you got any questions? I got a couple more. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get back to your trips to LSU and how you felt like home. As many of my followers and my fans know who follow the show, I took a trip to LSU last year. I took my wife, and we went down for the Florida game. Spent a lot of time inside the recruiting area with the coaches, with the recruits. And what I could tell genuinely off the bat was it was a family atmosphere, and the LSU not only um, was going to be bringing in big-time talent in the 2020 class, but tremendous talent in the 21 and 22 classes. What can you tell us about your 2022 class and some of the guys that you are targeting to bring along with you in that, in that LSU class? Um, I know that we have a dang good quarterback signed up. Um, I mean, me and Walker Howard talk a pretty good bit and, um, you know, we're trying to fill, you know, I mean, I don't want to be the offensive lineman. I don't want to be the only offensive lineman that's coming. And, you know, I want a good O-line room to play beside because, I mean, we got to play as one. And, you know, you got to have some dogs right beside you, you know. And uh, I just want a, an overall good team. I mean, LSU, really, I don't – I mean, I can help as much as I want, but LSU recruits itself. And I'm a firm believer in that because the first – I mean, the first thing I stepped – the first thing I thought when I stepped on campus – I was like, man, I like this place. It's, I mean, I mean, you look in, I mean, you go inside Death Valley. I mean, there's nothing like it. True. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know why people don't want to go to LSU. Look at him. He put the salesman pitch on already. He's 16 <laughs> years old and he's selling the Tigers. I like that a lot. Coach O's going to like that a lot. Um, you know, Lucas, Keith and I talked about you moving to guard when you get into college. Is that something LSU's talked to you about? Uh, is that where they see your fit moving more forward uh, in your college career? No doubt. Yes, sir. Yeah, Coach Craig has already told me that I'm either going to play left or right guard. Maybe center. Um, I don't know. But, um, I mean, I'm going to do whatever's best for the team. I'm telling you, man, these these Bama boys, they cut. He said he said he, was, he works in construction or he's out chopping wood. I mean, how many guys we have on this show? Keith, I know you got a lot of them West Coast boys out there. Ain't none of them boys chopping wood working construction. So uh, it's a little bit tougher out here. Um, over quarantine, um, when I wasn't able to, like, get out to the facility and work out and stuff, um, me and my dad actually – so my dad works in, like, uh, in like electricity with, like, power lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he got an old power line and we, and we cut probably like a 10 foot long piece out of it. And I was using that as back squat for about two months while I was <laughs> just doing the good old yep. barn workouts. <laughs> Bama boys. I'm no question you. about it. Hey, listen, Lucas, I, your offensive line and, and offensive line players near and dear to my heart. Now I know my, my buddy BA, he played offensive line in college and he specializes in it, but I've got two older brothers who are both offensive linemen. One was a tackle. Um, the other one was a, a tackle and a guard combo. And I know the 
importance, not just the importance, but the impact that offensive line can not only just have on an offense, but I think on the culture of a team. So my question for you is, when you are on that offensive line and you are lined up getting ready to get that ball snapped, what's your thought process? Um, just my philosophy, if you're going to do anything, you might as well be good at it. <laughs> so every time I get up to the ball, I mean, there's only one option, is that, and that's to whoop that dude's butt. And, I mean, that's pretty much my thought process. I'll give you a little bit of mine. Mine was always assignment, alignment, and first step. Uh, that's what I mean. As a center, it's a whole different conversation because you got to get everybody kind of you know in the right position. If we're in a pass protection, we got to worry about all that kind of stuff. But to me, it was always first step. Um, what foot I got to step with first? Focus on you. Look like you got to say something, Lucas. What's up? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Technique wise, yes, yes, yes. First, first um, assignment. Where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, what step I'm going to take to get there? What kind of you know? Like if I have to take a bucket step, if he's you know a three, or if I'm trying to reach a wide five, um, yeah, just analyzing um, the defensive players uh, to see if he has any you know tendencies. Yes, any tendencies. You know, um, most of the time I can tell whether he's going to go inside or not, um, and that's going to be and that's what I'm going to base off. That's what I'm going to base my first step off of. Listen, playing on the inside in the SEC in general is a massive challenge. Playing the interior, right? But you're talking about in the SEC West where you're matching up with Bama every year and you're playing against those big-time defensive tackles who are coming from all over. Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida. You have got to be a man's man on the inside. How do you prepare yourself to play a game during the week? Um, watch a ton of film. Um, watch a ton of film. And I mean, I think, I think I probably have like four hours logged this week. Just, just watching film. Uh, we have a pretty big game coming up Friday, but, uh, watching film. And if I'm going against like, uh, you know, like a 300 pound, you know, six, three top guy, I'm going to find, Whoever is on the St. Paul's football team that is like that, I'm like, hey, you're, uh, you know, you're playing three technique this week because I need to get used to blocking kids your size. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's, yeah, that's usually what I, that's usually how I get prepared. Keith, Keith, I'm sold, baby. I am sold. Matter of fact, when we sit down and have our 2020, now I got to watch the tape, Keith, or Lucas, the next two years, I'm going to have to evaluate further. I know y'all got a delayed start. Or no, y'all already playing out there at Alabama. Totally yeah. different. I was thinking yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, so I'm going to send me all the tape you got. I'm going to keep evaluating it. But I'm going to tell you what. When we sit down in our SI All-American uh, position rankings and all that good stuff, I'm going to have some good things to say about Lucas Taylor because coachability, when I listen to an offensive lineman tell me that he's watched four hours of tape in high school, look, I was a smart football player. I loved watching tape. I ain't watched no damn four hours worth of huddle when I was in high school. I'm going to tell you that right now. So not only are you dedicated, you've completely transformed your body. You're a player that's only going to get better uh, from what we saw in your sophomore tape. And 
you're an LSU commit. So that those things already leaning forward. Um, Lucas, man, I, I'm sold on Lucas Taylor. Keith, you got anything uh, left to say before we let him go? Last thing I want to touch on is, is coachability. Lucas, your response to our critique and our constructive criticism was fantastic. Uh, Brooks talked about how the responses that we get sometimes are guys unfollowing us, guys unhappy, guys upset. Guys parents, quoting us. Guys quoting us, parents being mad, reaching out to us. At the end of the day, we're trying to point out to you where you can improve what you need to work on to be a better football player. And a lot of life is about how you respond when poor things or bad things happen. You got some constructive criticism. You responded the way we would like our young men to respond. And for that, I salute you. Again, I thank you for being on the show. And I'm really excited about this year, your junior season, your senior season next year, and then when you get to LSU, we're going to be following you all the way, man. So good luck and God bless. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, one more thing. Um, St. Paul's, my team, will be playing on ESPN at 6 o'clock Friday night. So if y'all want to tune in and watch. He's even a okay. damn salesman, man. Okay. I'm telling you. ESPN, cut this man a check, it. please. <laughs> cut this man a check. Yes, Don't please. Don't ESPN. Not ESPN2, not ESPN Ocho, you know. Whatever. The mothership. All that. <laughs> hey, Lucas, thanks so much, man, for joining the Insta Impact. Yes, sir. Thank you. No doubt. What a what dude. A, what a dude. He's a dude. That, that kid's 16 years old. He really is 16. He is 16 years old. He yeah. was as comfortable as any player and prospect I've interviewed on, on camera because, look, we do this thing different than everybody else in this industry. I mean, some, some people do the commitment videos. They do some stuff like that on, on video and stuff like that. But no, not very many people have kids on camera. That's probably one of the very first times he's been on camera, and he looked natural. Absolutely. A hundred percent natural smile, had personality, was interrupting us, never had to dig any more information out of him. I'm sold on Lucas Taylor after just dressing him down last week on his sophomore tape. And you know what? To to go through that body transformation at 15, 16 years old and to take it upon yourself to do all that kind of stuff. I'm I, I can't say enough about that kid. I'm I'm smitten. Very impressive. I can say that very impressive. And I see why Coach O. Um, offered him. I see why he's an LSU commit, and I think he's got a bright future. Really, really bright future. Let's move along. Let's get started in terms of our evaluations. Charles Wright, quarterback, a Texas uh, what do they call it? Uh, he's, I guess his dad played there, so he's a, a, a hair, legacy a legacy commit. Charles Wright, a legacy commit, quarterback to Texas. BA, I've got some things that are interesting about this whole commitment, but I'm going to let you go and start off with the evaluation. Go Take it away. Yeah, you already hit on a little bit of legacy, right? And a hometown kid, he's from Austin, so he ain't got to go far to get out there. Um, I, I think if you're just connecting the tea leaves, though, this kid got a green light with Jalen Moreau flipping to Alabama. I think if we're really being honest about it, that's why this kid's in this Texas class in 2021. But to me, he obviously loves Texas. Family's from Texas. He's from Texas. He is Texas. But to me, it shows the level of confidence that this kid has in his own abilities. Right to to not really have a green light, to not really get much love from him, even though his dad's school, knowing who's coming in in 2022 and saying, you know what, screw it, I'm I'm gonna go to Texas, I'm gonna compete, and I'm gonna win that job. I think that's the type of mentality this kid t absolutely has. I question the arm strength a little bit when I see that you've got to get your full body into throwing deep balls, and it's not as much of an easy flick as it should be on those deep routes. Um, I, I question the arm strength just a little bit, and I question the body as well. 
not an overwhelmingly physically impressive athlete. Six one, about a buck ninety five, but he looks even lighter than that in the pads. So it, not an overwhelming frame if you're just looking at. It. But what I do love about this kid's tape, and it, the number one thing for me is quarterback. Right, we got to see good decision making, but I also want to see whether or not you can make tight window throws. And this kid's got tight window throws all up and down the tape. I mean, he can fit into a window. Also got this really interesting side flick about him. When he gets, you know, a little ramble or a little scattered and has to scramble and do things off balance and off platform, mm-hmm. he's got this real easy kind of side side winding throw, can throw it from all different arm slots and arm angles, which is very important for a kid who, again, this ain't a 6'5 athlete. It's a guy that's listed as 6'1" probably plays at about six, one and a half, six, two in pads and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I would have loved to have seen this kid go to Houston or SMU or a smaller school like that. Uh, it really lighted up. And I think that's where he might ultimately finish his college career. Um, because guys like this, most of the time, if they don't play, they go get some playing time. And I think this kid is the type of kid that if you let him get into an air raid system that lets him move and throw the ball 40 times a game, he's going to light you up. Uh, I like the kids moxie a lot. I just don't know if this is a top end big 12 type of athlete. You know, Tom Herman is a guy who's done a good job now recruiting quarterbacks over the last couple of years. If you look at what they have and what they're bringing in, you got Sam Ellinger who's going into his fourth year as a senior, but of course the NCAA has already granted guys an extra year of eligibility. Sam Ellinger is not going to be a big time NFL draft pick, Mm. right? He's a guy who's probably a really good candidate to come back for a fifth year of playing college football, right? So you have that's number one in the tank for for Tom Herman. Number two, and, and let me let me stop you on one right there. Do you think there is a player in college football that is loving his experience more than the starting quarterback at Texas? No, probably not. No. Probably That's not. pretty much the creme de la creme in terms of enjoying your college yeah. experience. Having a great time. <laughs> in Austin, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you have Ellinger. He looks like he's probably going to have a six year. So you have that, right, for Charles White, for Charles Wright. Then in the 2020 class, they signed probably the best dual threat quarterback outside of Bryce Young in the country, which is Jaquindon Jackson from Duncanville, right, who's a, a special talent, a really special talent. I know Jaquindon not only as a ball player, but as a person, he's a special kid, right? With special uh, intangibles and leadership abilities. Then you look in the 2022 class and you got Quinn Ewers there. Dude. So right now, Charles Wright, you are sandwiched in between a six-year possible Ellinger, a freak show in Jaquindon Jackson, and then some people's number one rated quarterback in the 2022 class in Ewers. Keyword some people, because we're going to be talking about one of the guys that's fighting for it for me uh, yeah. here a little bit. Sure, listen, Char- listen, Charles Wright, I understand you're a legacy commit, and uh, that's where it stands right now. I don't know how long he's going to stay at Texas. Uh, if he does stay, it's great for him. If he doesn't, then go find a place to play. It's going to be a tough way to get on the field if that's what his goal is, B.A. That's my, that's my call. Let's move along. Calvin Gilliam, defensive end, commits to Oklahoma. This is important. This is really important for a number of reasons. B.A., I'm going to let you start with the eval, but I got some interesting nuggets on the back end. Yeah, 6'3", 245 pounds. This is a Big 12 defensive end frame right now. The only question is, what's it going to look like after a few years of a college football weight program? That's my only question. And to to be honest with you, not really twitched up 
Doesn't have a lot of burst, in my opinion. And I know we talk about that a little bit on this show. It's very, very important for me, especially in high school, to watch you have some burst, watch you have some bend, watch you be able to show some pass rush moves, watch you be able to get the edge. I don't see that a lot in this kid. But here's the deal. Oklahoma, and you might be talking about this in just a couple seconds. Oklahoma's got four, quote-unquote, defensive end prospects in that 2021 class that are already committed. So somebody's going to be kicking their butt inside to a three-technique or, or a shade or, or something along those lines. It might be that big six-foot-seven joker that we talked about a couple weeks ago. I think it's going to be end up end up being Gilly. I think this is a kid that's going to end up being 280 pounds in a matter of months when he gets onto college campuses. I see a dominant run defender in his high school take. I see a guy that can really set the edge, can really shed blocks, and can really tackle behind the line of scrimmage and get flat. I don't see an edge rusher. That's my only question at this point. Um, so, again, that just kind of goes to show you that, to me, the future is at the defensive tackle position, and I think he's got overwhelmingly uh, beneficial athleticism at that position when he gets there in college. Yeah, it, all, it all depends on how his body develops, correct? So. Yeah. You know, is this guy an edge guy? Probably not, right? The probability is he's going to kick inside. But here's the issue. Defensive coordinator Alex Grinch came highly recommended from Ohio State. Great coach. I really like this guy. Brings the type of energy and the type of enthusiasm to the game. I think he's really good with his X's and O's and his schematics. But they, the top sacker on the team last year was Ronnie Perkins, right? At six and a half sacks. You're in Oklahoma. In the Big yeah. 12, where they throw the ball a ton, and yeah, your top sack man has six and a half sacks, that's embarrassing. And addi- additionally, they gave up 28 points per game. And let's not forget, Joe Burrow threw seven, mm. count them, seven <laughs> touchdowns in the first half. And they gave up 49 points in that first yeah. half in the Peach Bowl. Oklahoma has got to get better on defense. It starts with talent, it moves to development, and then it goes to schematics. They got to get some pressure on the quarterback. They have to get in the backfield early and make some plays. Because if not, people are going to continue to outscore them in these big games. And Lincoln Riley's going to end up becoming frustrated and pulling all of his beautiful golden locks out. Here, here's my thing. If you're, if you're Lincoln Riley, you believe as much as you do in your own offensive system and your ability to win with what you've got on the offensive side in terms of talent. You're Oklahoma. You're, you're, one of the, you're probably the biggest and only big school really nationally contending and recruiting in that Midwest area, why not just solely focus on getting dudes on the defensive side of the football? Get your quarterback, get a receiver every year like they do now, and then load up on that defensive side of the football. Make it your priority to go get guys to play out there in that Big 12. I don't think they've been doing that over the years. I think they're starting to slowly move into that. Um, but again, man, if you're, if you're Lincoln Riley, you coach up offense probably better than anybody in the country. No, you can do that with just about anybody and go get some dudes on defense that the Big 12 hasn't really seen. They need some elite recruits. The, the difference is they need elite recruits on defense. They're yes. getting them on offense, right? They have them on offense. They have their deep. They got a lot of talented players. They do not have it on defense. They're trying to get it. And um, I think this young fella right here has got a chance on the inside. Let's move along. Gunner Stockton commits to South Carolina, dual threat quarterback. Big-time player. B.A., I know you like this guy's tape. You've talked about it on a number of occasions. Go ahead and share with our viewers what you saw. Absolute hand cannon. I mean, an absolute hand cannon. This dude can throw 
any ball on the field. I put him up there with just about anybody that I've evaluated. I've, I've seen uh, Jared Garantano throw all summer. This this dude's got that type of arm. Garantano can make every throw on the football field. Harrison Bailey can make every throw on the football field. Got to see him all week. Well, guess who trains with him with the same quarterback coach of Tony Bauer here in Atlanta? Gunnar Stockton. Guess who's probably got a bigger arm? Gunnar Stockton. And he's 17 years old or 16 years old, rising junior up there at Raven County. He's got a legitimate shot, Keith, to break Deshaun Watson's passing record here in Georgia. Deshaun Watson passed for fourteen over 14,000 yards in high school. Gunner right now on pace through two years of high school football is on pace for about 13,000 yards. And what I'm going to tell you is at Raven County this year, they're going to throw it about 350 to 400 times in this season alone. Okay, he wow. is the entire offense, um, and he is their leading rusher. That's my only concern. If, if you're in South Carolina, I would be calling, and, and look, they're – South Carolina is as well plugged into this recruitment as any recruitment they've ever had. All right. Uh, Mike Bobo's dad, George Bobo, taught this kid how to throw the football when he was young. Wow. All right. The, the Bobo family has deep roots in Rabin County. I'm honestly surprised it took this long for Gunner to pick South Carolina and commit because the Bobo family and the Stockton family are really well connected. And guess who his high school football coach is? Jay Bo Shaw. If you know the name Shaw, you know that Connor Shaw is on the staff at, at South Carolina. So it was it was a sewn-up deal. I, again, I don't know why it yeah. took this long for him to even commit. Um, he's the whole offense. I would be concerned that they're running him a bit too much. People claim he's a dual-threat quarterback. I'm going to tell you something about double-A football in Northeast Georgia. Ain't a whole lot of dudes running four-fours out there on that football field. Okay, so he gets to run all up and down the football field as a, as a ball carrier and stuff like that in high school football right now. I wouldn't let him run 15 times per game like he does in high school and college because it ain't that frame. It's it's really not. He's really not a big kid. He's six one, six two. He almost to me he looks a lot like Baker Mayfield. Really, I mean he's a little taller, a little thicker, but that's what it looks like to me. I, you're buying the arm here, and the arm's as good as anybody you're going to find in this 2022 class. And I'll take it a step further. It's as good or better than anybody in that 2021 class too in terms of arm talent and arm strength but he's not a dual threat quarterback. He is not a runner. It's a four, eight athlete on tape. You know, that's interesting. Ryan Helensky, 2,400 yards passing as a true freshman, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, had a pretty good freshman year, big upset, right? Of um, Alabama. No, no not Alabama, no, Georgia, no, no. Georgia, 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 right? Um, South Carolina's doing a good job now. And we talked about this with Oklahoma on defense. South Carolina doing a good job on offense, right? You bring in Haleski, who was a big-time quarterback. Now you talk about Gunnar Stockton. Marshawn Loy, five-star running back, comes in. Unfortunately, tears his ACL early in practice here, so he's going to be out for the year. But he'll be back by the time Gunnar gets there. I really like Michael Wyman. He's from the uh, North Carolina area. He's a big-time outside receiver in the 2020 class. I like what they're doing in terms of Adding pieces to the puddle puzzle at South Carolina. Gunnar Stockton, is he a dual threat? I didn't see that on tape, but I see a guy that can move, right? Yeah, athlete, mo- don't get me wrong. Yeah, a very Not an SEC player. runner. No, not an SEC. And, and speaking of SEC, how about the influx of the spread offenses in the SEC? All it started with, I, I want to say it started with Urban Meyer, but it didn't. It started with Steve Spurrier, right, back yep. in the early 90s. But yep. if you look now, the spread is all over the SEC, and not just the spread. People are talking about fun gun. People are talking about the Mike Leach air raid. 
the SEC is going to be a lot of fun. Gunn Stockton, he's going to help that. No doubt about it. He can play, and I love what they're doing offensively, putting pieces around him. Let's move along, B.A. Who we got? You want Amari Harvey? I think yep, we jumped over him. Yep, we go Amari Harvey commits to University of Auburn, big-time defensive back. Got some interesting thoughts about Amari and his commitment, War Dam Eagle, just a whole Auburn defense. But, B.A., I'm going to let you take it away on the evaluations. Not rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, play strong safety in high school. I don't see a safety just based off the frame, okay? Real thin, wiry football player. He's got some pop to him, but we'll get into that just in a little bit. 5'11", a buck 70 maybe, a buck 75, uh, maybe soaking wet, 180 pounds. So, to me, I see a slot corner. I see a guy that's going to be playing in the slot when he gets into college, and Auburn does that a bunch. They roll six DBs a ton there with Kevin Steele. So, you might see that when he gets to college. There's only one player in recent memory that's been been able to play SEC safety at this kind of limited size and limited frame, and he's one of my favorite football players in the SEC, and it's Richard LeCount. Um, but even Richard plays at like a buck eighty-five, buck ninety. So this kid's got some weight to put on even before he gets there. But he's got that kind of thump on tape. If you watch him, he can really stick his nose in there and really he's got some pop in his pads. So that's good to see if he wants to stick his safety. But again, you're trying to overcome a lot of odds. When we're talking about this frame, the, again, the only guy I've been able to see do it is Richard LeCount. Typically, when we talk about SEC safeties, we're talking about Xavier McKinney, who stretches up to 6'2". We're talking about, yeah. uh, you know, uh, what's Grant his name? Delpit. Grant Delpit. Grant is exactly the one I'm going We're talking about some big dudes that play safety in the SEC, so I don't really exactly see that. Um, and I don't know if he's got the instincts to be able to do that. If you're going to be undersized, you got to have great instincts. I do see some decent instincts, but I don't see, like, next level. Holy crap, where did he see that? How did he see that kind of stuff on tape? I do like the ball skills for this kid at the safety position, but we can use all those things in the slot, too. You got to have ball skills if you're going to play in the slot. Um, I just don't think he's physically stout enough, again, to play a safety. Um, I love the potential as a slot corner, and, and, and that's about it. We'll be waiting a while. If he's going to end up sticking to safety, we're going to be waiting a while for this kid to get on the field because he's going to have to put on a bunch of weight. First of all, big shout out to Kevin Steele. I mean, you talk about top five, top top eight defensive coordinator across the country, always putting out a good product on defense. Last year, Auburn was eighth in the country in uh, passing yards allowed. They were tenth in passing touchdowns, and they were sixth in interceptions. Okay, here's the issue: they got all four starting defensive backs in that back four. They're all gone now, right? They had a big high draft pick uh, from the speedy kid on the outside, but listen. They've got a lot of talented kids in that defensive back room. I think Harvey is going to add to that. I definitely think he's going to start off in the nickel. I don't see him him being on the outside. I don't see him being as a safety until he grows and builds that frame. I think he starts off at the nickel, and I think that's a good spot for him there um, in Auburn. War damn eagle. Let's move along. Minnesota. Minnesota, Justin Whaley commits. Defensive back, B.A. Wally Whaley. Wally Whaley. What, what you going with? You going with Wally? I'm going with Wally. Wally. I'm, I like Wally. You want to go with Wally? Wally's I world. I like Wally. Justin, Wally's world. Okay? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. So, University of Minnesota had a good year last year. Really good year. Got a big-time coach. Right? What you see on tape, and I'll give you something on the back end. First of all, if P.J. Flex signs off on it, I'm buying it. Okay? I I might be the biggest P.J. Flex fan in the world. If, if P.J. Flex says it's a good move, a good decision, I'm taking it. I'm buying everything that guy's selling. I'm buying all the stock in the world in P.J. Fleck. That's first thing first before we even get into this evaluation. 
Uh, but as far as Justin Wally goes, he's a coach's son. I like to see that. I love to see coaches' sons playing defense and playing defensive back. Plays with a lot of grit and wherewithal on the football field. He's asked to do a whole bunch on the offense and defensive side of football, along with playing special teams. So you name it, he did it, which tells me he's a really smart football player. We knew that, right, based off the coach's son aspect. I ain't met too many dumb coaches' sons in the world of football. Have you, Keith? No. I, ain't, no, ain't, I don't even think fact, they ain't never met one. I don't think yeah, they, I don't think they, they don't allow them to happen. Yeah. So he's got above average recovery speed, uh, which and ball skills, which you pair those two things together, you got yourself a great defensive back. The only thing is he hasn't really isolated on one position. So he's only going to get better when he gets into college. When you give this kid a chance, we see this all the time with players like this in high school that play a multitude of positions. When you let them isolate on one, they get so much better so much faster when they get into college because they're just focused on one thing as sure. opposed to in high school where they had to be the entire every single year during my college career. That's eight games year in and year out against Mississippi college football teams. I can tell you one thing. The phrase that all these kids say nowadays, quote unquote, I'm built different. All of them say I'm built different. I'm different. I'm going to tell you what, it's a hundred thousand percent true about kids from the Mississippi. Okay, those kids from the SIP, they are different. Every single one of them are built different. This kid, you might catch this kid walking around Minnesota's campus in the middle of winter with no damn coat on. Uh, That's why I'm talking about this is how tough these kids are in Mississippi. It's Bama and then number one, Mississippi, when it comes to kids being built different. No, I I hear you about that. Listen, PJ Fleck is a heck of a coach, but if he's going to climb that Big Ten mountain, He's got to beat Ohio State. And how do you beat Ohio State? you got to have guys that can cover on the outside. Minnesota's got four guys projected to graduate after this season. A lot of big-time openings for Wally, uh, Ortiz out here on the West Coast in Phoenix. Those guys are coming in as highly touted, highly regarded defensive backs. It's a great chance for them to come in and play early. Um, Here's the deal, though. Rod Chance, a defensive backs coach from last year, is now at Oregon. He did a great job with what he had there in Minnesota last year. They they have to have found a coach that can grow and develop with this group that's coming in um, in the 2021 recruiting class and so on and so forth. It's going to be interesting to see. But while he's a player, I think he's got a chance to come in and play early along with Ortiz. And they got to continue to build that defensive back room because they got a lot of guys leaving. A lot of guys leaving. So it's going to be interesting moving forward. Let's move along. Ryan Keeler. Commits to Rutgers. Ryan is a guy. Hey, be careful now. Fan of the show. Listen, Ryan is a show. Guy, No, listen. Ryan is a guy who had a ton of offers, right? Yeah. He must have had 25, 30 offers. But I think he got caught up in a little bit of COVID recruiting. Mm-hmm. So many schools taking so many commits because they got so many offers out there. Nobody mm-hmm. knows who's going to be playing football this year in high school football at some point in time over the summer. And I think he kind of got caught up in COVID recruiting. I think a lot of those offers may have dissipated before he got a chance to really look at them hard. Nevertheless, this is a defense in out of the Midwest. He can play B.A. What you see on tape? I think, I think that could be the case, right? Could be COVID recruiting. Maybe didn't have the green light from some schools. I think what also could have been happening is maybe some of these schools like Michigan might have wanted this kid to play offense. Maybe they wanted him to play offensive tackle. And he clearly wants to play defensive line. I mean, but that could be it too. COVID recruiting or they wanted to play a different position that he didn't want to play. Rutgers wanted to play defensive line. 
Um, six foot, six foot five, 260 pounds. I like this kid a lot as an individual. Again, fan of the show, seems to be extremely coachable. Uh, he and I have talked back and forth about some of these kids and, and the way they've responded to the way that we've criticized them and the way that we've, you know, graded their film and, and, and talked about what they need to improve on. This seems like a kid that's not going to be one of those. He's going to be very coachable. Whatever you tell him he needs to do, he's going to go out and do it. I'll tell you one thing, though. He is a three technique in college. No I, I don't I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what any recruiting service says about what position he's going to play. He is going to be playing three technique in college if he stays on the defensive side of the football, which we just addressed. He's going to Rutgers. I think he's going to stay on the defensive side of the football. This kid looks like he sleeps in the gym, Keith. I mean, he lives, eat, eat, sleeps, eats, and breathes lifting weights. He's an extremely hard worker. That's evident uh, based off what I see on social media and the discussions I've had with him. Um, I don't see enough twitch to remain on the outside. Neither do you. That's why we're evaluating him as a three technique. I think Rutgers immediately slaps 20 pounds on him and lets him dominate on the inside at that three technique position. He does love to swim move. I think if one thing I picked up off the tape, he likes to swim, which as we move inside, we're going to have to turn that swim into a rip. Okay. If we're letting our ribs get exposed, you're going to come home hurting to breathe because you're going to have a bunch of bruised ribs. So let's get that out. Let's start converting that rip or that swim move into a rip move. I think that's what, what you got to have. But man, I love the kids' work ethic. I love the fit with Greg Schiano as that coming back as a head coach there at Rutgers. That's a defensive minded guy. Uh, and I love the upside of the prospect. I think he plays early at Rutgers. I think it's a good fit for a couple of reasons. Number one, you, you mentioned Greg Schiano. Big time success at Rutgers in his previous stop there. Spent the last few years as defensive coordinator there at Ohio State. And I think a guy like Keeler is a guy is how you start to build your foundation at Rutgers. Listen, Rutgers was, has been pathetic on defense over the last couple of years. Last year, they were 98th in total defense. They gave up 36 points a game and 430-plus yards a game. Oof. I mean, people are running and throwing up and down the field. You get, first thing, you got to build your defense from the inside out, B.A. You got to be good down the middle. You need, a, you need a one or a shade and a three. That can be meant inside, be styled, take on a double, split the double, be able to redirect and run balls down, and be ready to play at the point of attack with some physicality and some leverage and create some separation and get off blocks, right? That first and foremost, I think Keeler is a guy that we're going to look back three, four, five years from now and say he was the kid who helped start the turnaround at Rutgers. That was the recruit who helped start the turnaround at Rutgers. Be, be, be watching for that. It's just a little nugget for you. Let's move along. We're going down to GA with BA. University of Georgia, they get the top-ranked junior college player in the country, DeJohn Warren. You know, BA, this one, it, it wasn't confusing for me because I see where Kirby Smart is going with this. But here's what I will tell you. That's going to be a crowded defensive back room next year. Very Hold crowded. that thought. Hold that thought, okay, because – Eric Stokes, probably an early enrollee or an early drafted guy. I think he's going to leave early after a redshirt junior year. Uh, Tyson Campbell has a very uh, you know good chance to go early as well. DJ Daniel, a senior, okay. Richard LeCount, a senior as well. Mark Webb, a senior as well. So those are five guys right there that could easily be off this roster. Three of them that are guaranteed to be off the roster. So um, I think it's a it's a priority position. For Georgia's, you know, defense, I think they play a ton of DBs. They play nickel almost 95% of the time, and then they roll dime a lot too. So they play a ton of DBs, 
and it's a priority position for him. But first and foremost, we're talking about Deshaun Warren. We're talking about a grown man, a grown man, okay? Uh, Nation's number one – Keith, you talked about the nation's number one corner by a lot of people's measure in Tony Grimes, and you had questions about his toughness and his willingness to tackle. You ain't got that here. No. If you watch this guy's tape, man, holy smokes, he is an absolute dog. This is a Juco born and bred kid that ain't going back. My boy Bomani Jones calls him can't go back. This is exactly the case with this kid. He ain't going back to where he came from. Okay, He ain't going back to Chickawa, uh, Michigan, wherever he's at right now playing Juco football. He is not going back. He is making his way into Division I football. This is just a really great story. If you follow this kid's track to where he's been, there was questions whether or not he was ever going to get an opportunity to play football when he got out of high school. Had some really bad grades, had a really you know tough outing at it in high school, just didn't know if he was going to do it. One year later after JUCO, number one player in the nation's got offers everywhere. Thought he was a Penn State lean there for a while. Georgia secures him and brings him in. He's got legit, legit 4-4 speed on the field. I mean, is a real burner, got great recovery speed, and that recovery speed allows him to play tremendously patient on the outside. Ain't going to get a lot of holding calls from this kid. He's got great leaping ability and ball skills. He will fit perfectly into Georgia's defensive scheme because unlike a lot of college football programs, Georgia asked their corners to do a lot in run support. Okay. They, they asked them to play. They asked them to blitz. Sometimes they sacrifice the edge defender and allow the corner to set the edge into the boundary. They do a whole bunch of stuff that requires corners to play extremely physical, and this is what this kid does. Dejon Warren, to me, has NFL corner written all over him, all over him. I see an NFL body. I see an NFL attitude. I see an NFL ball skills. I see NFL traits all over this kid. I I, I don't know how much he's going to play early on at Georgia next fall, but he's going to be playing similar to what DJ Daniel did last year. Listen, I don't know what Kirby Smart is selling down there in Athens. But I'm telling you, these recruits are buying. Deshaun Warren's a big-time player. There's no question. He's got every trait or every attribute you're looking for at a, in a big-time quarter or NFL prospect. Love the size, love the speed, love the physicality and the ball skills. Here's the deal. Tyson Campbell came out very highly regarded. Yeah. Out of, out of South Florida. Very highly regarded. Tape, taper this take, by the way, because I'm going to let you know he's lighting it up right now at Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's my point. He came out of South Florida, very, very, very highly regarded, big-time prospect from American Heritage, came in, didn't do a great job, okay? But I want to bring it back to Kirby Smart, defensive back specialist. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can be down on players, but when they have a great coach, a great coach can pull a player out of, whether you want to call it a slump, lack of confidence, lack of technique, one thing I can't pull you out of is lack of ability. If you don't have no ability, there's nothing I can really do for you. But Kirby Smart, getting the most out of the guys at the defensive you talk about Richard LeCount, right? All-American type ball player. Then you're talking about Keely Ringo coming in. He wants to come in and be developed. Uh, about Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah, Tyreek Stevenson. Elite athletes being developed by probably the best defensive backs coach in college football. It's Kirby Smart. Now, yeah. I've had a chance to, to be on the field with Nick Saban. I've had a chance multiple years in a row at his summer camps, watch him, listen to him, work with him, coaching defensive backs. Great defensive backs coach. But can Nick really relate to the young, 
ballers these days like that. Not like Kirby can, right? No. Not like Kirby can. So I'm going to give Kirby an advantage in terms of relating, building relationships, and really grooming these young kids. Love what he has at Warren, and I think it's a match made in heaven in Athens. That's Look, what I really I, do believe that. You asked you ask what Kirby Smart's selling. Here, here's what Kirby Smart's selling. Every coach in the world selling playing time, but not a lot of coaches can actually put the numbers in front of kids and say, look how many kids I play every single year. Last year, Georgia had 45 players on that defensive side of the football that got at least 100 snaps. That's big Think time. about that. 45 players that played at least 100 snaps. They yeah. play a ton of guys in a ton of different assignments and alignments. It's a really complex defense, but they coach it up really, really well. I spent about three hours last night watching that tape, and I've seen complex defenses. I've seen defenses play a lot of guys. I don't see that very often, what they do at Georgia. So I think that's what he's selling. He's selling the opportunity, and he's selling that G, man. He he is absolutely selling that G. He's it's all and yeah. he is absolutely killing it. No question about it. Let's move along. Arizona State, they get a big-time commitment from the number one. How many one. times are we going to talk about Arizona State, first of all? Listen, Holy they cow, they are on it. Herm Edwards and Tony. Herm Edwards. They're doing a great job. Ezra Dotson. Oh, yeah, Todd Day. Another one of those. Nigerian brothers, another one of them Nigerian brothers, man, number one center in the country, commits to ASU. Here's the deal. ASU is doing a great job nationally. That's the thing. Arizona State is not a, or at least was not a national brand. They have become a national brand now. And let them put together a couple of big-time bowl wins, and it's going to start to get real interesting down there in Tempe. Love this commit for Arizona State. Last year, they started true freshman right guard, Donovan West, who played in the World Bowl for me. He was a freshman All-American, All-Pac-12 freshman team guy, started at right guard. Now they get the top center in the country to commit. Arizona State building something up front. B.A., what you see on tape? I mean, first of all, what we talk about Arizona State, they got a quarterback. They got the quarterback. So I think that's going to solve a lot of problems moving forward. They're going to win a lot of games yeah. out there in the Pac-12 when they get started back playing football. Um, I love this kid's athleticism. I mean, holy cow. They pull this kid. Not, not often you see high school centers pulling out on, on toss sweep and jet sweeps, stuff like that. They let this kid do it because he's that much of an athletic freak. And I like the leverage he plays with, too. When he gets his hands on you on the outside, I mean, he's. I'd like to see him play with a little bit more inside hand placement. But even at that point, he likes to steer guys, which means he understands playing with leverage. He reminds me a lot of Travis Kelsey. Just the way he moves. Or not Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey. Excuse Jason me. Kelsey. His brother. He reminds me a lot of Jason Kelsey at the center position in the terms that he's going to allow you to do a lot of stuff with your schematics up there up front. Okay, You, you don't have to worry about odd front surfaces because you can get this guy out with a simple down block from a guard and a pull and a wrap from this kid because he's that kind of athlete. Um, I, I think he almost works to the second level a little too quickly when I watch the tape because I think he's just that quick. I think he's that fast. Those wow. things are going to slow down just a little bit when he gets into college. Spend a little bit more time on the first level there, Ezra. We'll figure out how to get to the second level because you're going to get there, trust me, quick enough. I do have questions about the play strength, though. That's the only thing I worry about just a little bit. He's a little light, a little thin in the skin, about 6'3", 285, 290 pounds, wherever you find him listed. He's going to have to play at 310, 315, even in the Pac-12 there in the center of that offensive line. Um, I don't see him uprooting the guys a lot. Okay, I don't see him taking angles out of guys and flat backing. I see a lot of side backing, if you will. I see a lot of him turning guys. That's what I talked about earlier, playing with leverage, learning how to steer guys. 
But I also want to see every once in a while, especially if you're going to play on the interior, I want to see you bring your hips, take out the angles of the defensive lineman, and then literally flat back him, lay him on his back. That's what I'm talking about when I say uproot guys. I don't see a lot of that from Ezra's tape, but I'm buying every bit of this athleticism, every bit. This is the way I played center when I was in college. I had to be a mover like this because I wasn't able to uproot guys because I wasn't the biggest, strongest guy out in the world. I like watching this kid's tape because I wish my high school coach would have allowed me to do a lot of what they allow this kid to do, and that's get out in space and play in space. Listen, Arizona State needing some help up front. Only averaged 24 points a game last year. Bringing in some big-time receivers like Johnny Wilson, big-time running back Daniel Nagata. They need some guys up front that can move some guys, work second level, get to third level on screens. Ezra Dotson, oh, I'm just going to call him Ezra E-D-O up front of Arizona State. Let's move along. Nebraska, they gave up 28 points per game last year, 336 yards per game. Where is the black shirt defense? Improvement, yes. not Definitely not where they want to be. I remember the black shirts, right? Guys like Grant Fuenstrom. Yeah, two-time All-American. Guys like Jarrett Thomas. Okay, guys like Terrell Farley. Okay, Toby Wright. Black shirt defense in Nebraska has a long history of great football players and great team defense. Haven't been that lately. It's been pretty miserable down at Nebraska, but they get a big-time player here. Kobe Brett's commits to Nebraska. B.A., what'd you like about him? First thing I got on the sheet, I watched two plays. First play, I wrote, oh, yeah. And then the second play, I wrote in all caps, oh, yeah, on this one. I like this kid a lot. I love the identification skills. Remember what we talked about earlier in the show about watching the kids tape and why, how in the hell did you know that was coming? This is all, that's all over this kid's tape. It's like he's got, you know, this type of mind that just, he sees it before he happen, before stuff happens. I don't love the frame, but the good news is plenty of room and space to put weight on this kid that he's going to need. And that's what college weight programs are all about. There's a real quick click in this kid's football game. When he identifies it, he's coming downhill like a rocket. And that's great to see as a safety because a lot, some of these guys we've been evaluating, I see a lot of hesitation in their football game. I don't see no hesitation in this kid's tape. Um, everything on tape tells me he is a high-character football player. We talked about this with Javon Ballard, uh, the Georgia commit last week. Everything you need uh, in terms of looking for high effort and, and looking for correcting teammates' alignment, looking for communication, it's all there on tape. I don't have to be on the sidelines to see it. That's how much it stands out. And I guarantee his high school coach would attest to it as well. Um, I didn't see him drop a lot. I didn't see him do a lot of stuff in coverage. Maybe that's just because he didn't play against a bunch of air raid football teams up there in Nebraska. I don't know how they'd be playing high school football in Nebraska. I don't go out in Nebraska very often. I don't think very many people go out in Nebraska very often. It's Nebraska. But they kept this kid in state. That is very, very important because I think they got themselves a ball player. Um, and eventually we'll get to see if he can drop. Even in the Big Ten, you got to be able to drop. Um, I know they run a lot of pro-style offenses in the Big Ten, but you're going to run up against Ohio State. All right, You're going to run up against teams that throw the football a lot and you're going to have to be able to play some coverage. We'll see if he can do it. Maybe he can. I just didn't see it on tape. No doubt about it. Let's finish it off here. Michigan State, they get a big-time commitment. Geno Vandermark, he commits to Michigan State as an offensive line kid. Got a couple thoughts here. First of all, Mel Tucker moving from Colorado's head coach to now Michigan State. I think he's going to do a really good job at Michigan State. Of course, it all starts with recruiting, but I love, I love the fact that he instills that discipline and toughness, and I think that's what he's going to get here with big Geno Vandermark. Here's the deal. 
Michigan State averaged under 100 yards a game rushing last year. Yeah. How does a college program average under 100 offense. yards a game? Exactly. That runs that offense. They are into the line tight end. They, they are play, in line. They yeah, play, they play they with play dual backs. tight ends. Yeah, yes. They, they do all kinds of stuff. There is no way in hell you should not run for 100 yards a game. Um, I'll, I'll jump right into it. That This is a Michigan State offense for what they used to do or for what they're trying to do. They didn't do it successfully. Obviously, you're, this is what you just laid out. But he's a monster. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. At least yep. that's what he's listed at. On yep. tape, he looks like he's 330. I mean, he is really, really big, especially in the lower half. Um, he's a giant joker. That's what I got in my tape, giant joker. Um, I'd move him into the guard spot if we were playing in the SEC. I think maybe he stays up at the tackle position up there in the Big Ten with what Michigan State's doing, considering what they're known for which is exactly what we're talking about. End of the line, tight end, play action pass, heavy power, stuff like that. He can maybe hold up at the tackle position um, if they want him to do that. But, you know, hands-on, rep-over type of athlete at the tackle position. He's got to get his hands-on to win. If he doesn't get his hands-on, rep-over, he lost. But if he does, rep-over, he won. It's simple as that with this type of kid. I think he's got really heavy feet, especially in the pass game. But, again, it's not really going to matter up there at Michigan State. He's going to be quick setting a ton at the tackle position. I do think he takes decent angles on second-level blocks because he has to, which tells me if you can identify angles, you're a smart football player, uh, you, you're okay in my book. I'll take it. Here's the deal. Michigan State O-line coach, guy named by the name of Coach Cap, came over with Mel Tucker from Colorado to Michigan State. Here's a little nugget. Coach Cap was my O-line coach in college. No Cap? No Cap. <laughs> coach Cap was my O-line coach in college. And I remember the first time he came in to kind of tour the facilities because he was being hired from somewhere else. And uh, he was just a guy, he was, he was about business. Coach Cap was about business. It, it wasn't going to be a big joke around. He wasn't going to jack around and with the players. He was about his business. He was focused. He's determined. You look now, 20 years later, I played at Alabama State. You look now, 20 years later, he's now at Michigan State. He did a great job last year at Colorado, okay? They had two really good running backs. They were very productive and successful on the ground. Now at Michigan State, I think he's going to do a great job. Remember this conversation. Two, three years down the road, we're going to be talking about Michigan State's running game. And I think that they kind of need to move away from the power game. Spread it out. Create some some vertical lanes, create some horizontal lanes for these runners, and get some speed and space. Coach Cap, I know, is going to do a great job. Shout out to him. I got a chance to uh, say what's up to him not too long ago. But uh, Michigan State, man, they get a guy at offensive line. He's going to be a guard, and I hopefully they're going to do some great things. B.A., that wraps it up for us. Instant impact, bringing this baby to a close. Appreciate my man, Lucas Taylor. I was about to say, shout out Lucas Taylor. Yeah, man. Shout out Lucas Taylor for coming on and, and showing love. And I appreciate him. I know B.A. appreciates him. And we're looking forward to following his journey. But until the next time, it's Coach Keith, B.A. from the GA. It's an impact. We'll see y'all when we see y'all. Peace. Sit and Sleep has been a family-owned business for over 40 years. And nothing means more to the Sit and Sleep family than earning the trust of your family. During the coronavirus pandemic, the folks at Sit and Sleep have been honored to see how many people trust them to provide a clean, safe, and caring environment to the shop for one of life's most important purchases, a mattress that will help you get the deep sleep you need during these stressful times. When you shop at Sit and Sleep, you'll get your own mattress protector to lay on, and with their exclusive 
Bedmatch technology, you'll find out which mattress is right for your unique shape and size. Or shop online at sitandsleep.com. Right now, save hundreds on the largest selection of name brands. With your good credit, get 12 months of interest-free financing with your minimum monthly payment. And come try Sit and Sleep's new hybrid infinity mattress that's over $250 less than a Casper hybrid. So let's sit and sleep. Southern California's favorite family-owned mattress store. Take care of your family's sleep needs. 